Where would we be? Wow. Go to Luke chapter number 24, would you? And children can be dismissed for junior church at this time. Luke chapter number 24. The beginning of Luke chapter number 24 talks about the resurrection, how the women early in the morning with those spices went to the tomb only to find that the tomb was empty. As they get there, they had to be reminded in verse 7 where it says, the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men to be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Well, they were excited. They go to the apostles to tell them what had happened, only to have a response in verse 11 that says, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Could you imagine the response and, and uh, just the thought of these women as they go and are excited only for the apostles not to believe? We'll start in verse 13, and the title of the message this morning is The Road of Emmaus, or the, the Emmaus Road. Um, these two, these two, Cleophas and another man, are walking this Emmaus road. This road really of, of, of confusion. A road of emotion and wonder and uncertainty about who Jesus is. Look at verse 13 as it says, And they began, and behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to, to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be crucified to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should redeem Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that which, or that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he is alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then said he unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we ask that you'd meet with us this morning. We thank you for the music and the worship and the time, Lord, where we could sing our praises and, and worship you. Lord, in a gymnasium this size, I just there's various needs, and we ask that you minister 
to each heart. Lord, we think of maybe there's somebody here that's not even saved. Maybe there's somebody viewing online that's not saved. They make that decision today. Lord, I pray that you would minister, you'd use your word to go forward. And I pray that you use me in Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. We see here in verse 14 how it says, And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So they had this journey, this, this road, this Emmaus road was a 12-mile journey. Or I'm sorry, a 7-mile journey, 12 kilometers. Pretty much from Bethel Baptist Church to the Arbor Dog. If that makes any sense, if that gives you a picture. And man, if you've not redeemed your armor do- uh, your arbor dog, you can go for the Emmaus Road walk right after this service and go and redeem that. 12-kilometer journey that they decided that they were on. And during this journey, they had a lot of time to talk. And they were talking about all the things that had happened in the past concerning Christ. Perhaps they were talking about the Garden of Gethsemane, how he was betrayed, taken of the soldiers, and and brought into the judgment hall, and from the judgment hall, the scourging and the crucifixion and the burial, and to date, the resurrection related to them by the women. But verse 15 says, And it came to pass, while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Good principle in that that verse. Even if we don't necessarily know Christ is with us. We don't necessarily feel his presence. Maybe you're going through a hard spiritual time right now. You're just wondering about things. You could be on a spiritual Emmaus road of confusion right now. And you may not know that he's there by your side, but even though these men didn't know Jesus was with them in the journey, he still was. And Christ is still with us in the journey, just a reminder of that this morning. He was there all along. Verse 17, Christ asks this question. What manner of communication are these that uh, that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Christ asks this question as if he doesn't know, but he knew. And oftentimes, the Holy Spirit will work the same way in our life. Uh, you, you may get in an argument, or you may have uh, some tribulation in life, and, and maybe the Holy Spirit won't necessarily ask you specifics, but he'll ask you this question, why are you mad? Why are you sad? This kind of communication props, uh, cultivates a desire to communicate with the Lord. And so he asked the disciples, why are you sad? provoking them to communicate with him. In verse 19, it says, And he said unto them, What things? Of course, they respond, Are you a stranger around here? Do you not know the things that are going on? Jesus said again, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. So first of all, we see the, the road of Emmaus, we see two confused travelers, two confused travelers. First of all, they were confused about Christ's death. They were confused about who Christ really was. The disciples, uh, uh, John and Peter, was at the tomb, and it was empty, but this was not a confirmation. Uh, they, confirmation. There was no confirmation of a spiritual activity that took place. But first of all, we see there was a confusion about who Jesus was. And, and look at how this, this passage is, is, is worded in verse 19, which was a prophet, mighty 
and deed and word before other people. It's kind of like a past tense. Oh, we, we did hear about Jesus when he was living, and we did believe Jesus, but, but that which was a prophet. And I don't need to remind Bethel Baptist Church that Jesus is more than a prophet, isn't he? Do you remember that time when, when uh, that person came to Jesus? He said, good master, what good thing must I do to uh, have eternal life? And Jesus said, there is none good but God. So what was Jesus saying in the midst of all that? He says, he's basically saying, if all you're doing is recognizing me as a good teacher, even a prophet, as good, you've missed the mark. There's only one good, and that's God. Uh, He's so much more than good. He is God. It goes on to say in verse 20, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be crucified, contemned to death, and have crucified him. The whole working of God was, was they were confused by it. They saw that, that during the Garden of Gethsemane, the betrayal, the Roman army had done this. And Christ himself had said time and time again, he must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and the third day rise again. And they thought that this was just a work of man. Man did this to our Lord. Man put him in the tomb. Man conquered him. But no, this was of the will of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So these aspects here, and then we get into verse uh, uh, 21. But we trusted that it it had been him, uh, been he, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Their scope of redemption was very small. Redeem Israel? Did Christ die? I'm, I'm glad this morning, just a reminder, I'm glad this morning that Christ didn't just die for Israel. His atoning work didn't just cover Israel. It covered the Gentiles. It covered the world. Again, God so loved the world. And you may think that, you know, God could never forgive me. God could never love me. Uh, his, his redemption, his forgiveness, it just seems so far away. He came not to call the righteous, but he, called, he came to call sinners to repentance. So these aspects here um, cause confusion amongst the disciples. Today, the confusion is not whether Christ existed. The confusion amongst people today on who is Jesus. Do you remember that time when Jesus asked Simon, whom do men say that I am? Some say Elias, some say Jeremiah the prophet, some say John the Baptist, but then God says, whom do you say that I am? And then Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, and flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but, but God, he's the savior. And I know I'm not really telling you anything new this morning, but Christ is risen, he's the savior. So in this road here of confusion, of wonder, and even doubt. Christ needed to come in, secondly, for clarification. The clarification of Christ. And we see that um, in verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He directs their attention here to the word of God. How do we avoid... How do we avoid confusion? 
There's a lot of confusion nowadays, isn't there, in the world that we're living in? There's confusion uh, amongst gender. There's a confusion amongst uh, truth. There's confusion, confusion, confusion amongst everywhere we go about the, the very fundamentals of truth. How do we avoid it? How do we live knowing that what I believe is true? Jesus is the uh, uh, excellent model that we follow. And he, what he did, Jesus Christ did, was he directed their attention to the word of God. Because it's truth. He said, oh, fools and slow heart to believe. Now, Jesus wasn't demeaning these two. But he was rather getting them to understand why Christ had been crucified. He therefore directs his attention to the word of God. And Adrian Rogers quotes this. Jesus expounded to them the scriptures that were written of himself. What he is doing now is putting their dependence not upon his physical presence with them, but upon the word of God. What, what does your Christianity uh, consist of? Does it consist of feeling? Does it consist of, of emotion? The best thing that you can base your Christianity upon is upon the word of God. It's, it's bread. It's, it's, it's life to those that read it. So there was a clarification about the prophets, and it says here in verse 26, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter in to his glory? In other words, wasn't Jesus saying, wasn't it necessary? Wasn't it of utmost importance that Christ suffered for the sins of the world to enter into his glory? Uh, you're not, in other words, you're not really seeing the full picture here. You're looking at this as man's working, but this is God's working. This was a necessity for us. The necessity of the crown of thorns. The necessity of the cat of the nine tails. By his stripes, we are healed. The necessity of the cross. John 19, 17 says, And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called uh, the skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha. The necessity of all this to take place so that I don't have to go to hell. What a gift. Maybe you're sitting here and you, you really don't understand salvation. You don't understand. Can, can you tell me why, why would Christ die for you? Why would, why would Christ die for me? I tell you something. I can't comprehend it. I can't comprehend such love. I can't comprehend why uh, the spotless Lamb of God would go to Calvary to forgive my sin. But I will accept it in faith. I will accept that in faith. And that's what it takes. Faith to receive that gift. It reminds me of a song entitled, Remind Me of the Cross. This is the lyrics. I remember the moment I could take you to the place. Every burden was lifted. Every sin washed away. But as time passes by, Lord, if ever I fail to remember the price you paid, remind me of the thorns you bore as a crown, the stripes that you bore, and the blood flowing down, the nails and the weight of my sin. Should a day ever come when I forget what real love costs, remind me of the cross. <clears throat> Sometimes... We just need to be reminded. We just need to be reminded who Christ is. 
Reminded of what? The Bible goes on to to talk here uh, in verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Could you imagine that road of confusion, that Emmaus road? The road of, of a sad countenance and uh, you had placed your faith in, in, in Christ, but death seemed to have the upper hand and, and it seemed perhaps maybe he was not who he said he was. But on the road to Emmaus, Christ appeared. On the road to Emmaus, he showed up. And one thing that he did was he directed their attention to the word of God. The Bible says at the beginning of uh, the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them. They had the best Bible study of their life. They had the best preaching that they'd ever heard along this twelve-kilometer journey. He opened up, up to the Word of God, and as he opened him up to the Word of God, he, beginning at Moses, perhaps he began to talk to them about the tenth plague that took place in Egypt. Do you remember that tenth plague? when the death of the firstborn would take place. The only way to bypass this curse was to have the blood upon the post of their door. And as that death angel saw the blood, he would pass on by. Do you see where I'm going with this? He opened them up the scripture. He said he would, they were spared by the blood. There was a great cry of the Egyptians because they weren't covered in the blood. But when the, the angel saw the blood... He passed on by, spared. Did you know, and I'm sure maybe he said, did you know the blood of Christ will cleanse you from all your wickedness, will cleanse you from all the evil, will cleanse you from that condemnation? Uh, and it says here in Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off are brought nigh by the blood See, people don't like to talk about the blood anymore, do they? They don't like to be reminded about the blood. But that blood, there's, there's nothing like the, the, there was nothing that could compare to the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ, the atone, the full atoning blood, when it is applied to your account, you're cleansed. No other blood can do that. No other man could do that. Perhaps he began to talk to them. When the children of Israel were hungry in the wilderness, they needed food. What did God do? Provided them manna to eat from heaven. Jesus himself said, I am the bread of life that cometh, uh, that cometh down. There would come a time also when the children of Israel would begin to get thirsty, wouldn't they? What did God do? He gave them water out of the rock. Jesus said, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So some of these stories, I'm sure he's telling those, those two on that road to Emmaus, opening up, opening up the scriptures, revealing just who he is. There would come another time when the children of Israel would get hungry or would get, again, thirsty. Three days they went without water. Three days they're, they're, they're in this desert thirsty, only to come to this, what seemed like an oasis in the middle of nowhere, to stoop, snoop down and drink up that water, only to drink up that water, and it was bitter. They couldn't drink it. This is what the scripture says on it in Exodus 15, 25. And they cried unto the Lord and said, 
And the Lord showed unto him a tree. Now this is the remedy of this bitter water. Showed unto him a tree, which when he had cast it into the water, the waters were made sweet. There he made them for uh, them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. What, what disappointment to be so thirsty three days in the wilderness without water. God says, you take a tree, Moses, pluck that tree up, put it in the water, and that water is going to be made sweet. Jesus revealed this to them, and that was a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament, how he took that cup. Do you remember that day in the Garden of Gethsemane? Nevertheless, thy will be done. He took that cup one day, that bitter cup. And, and John 18, 11, then said Jesus unto Peter, put down thy sword into thy sheath. This is just before Peter cuts off the ear of that Roman soldier. The cup which my father hath given me, shall, shall not I drink it? Jesus took that cup, that bitter cup, and, he, and he, he drank that bitter cup, which was my sin, which, which was all the wrong that I've ever done, all the crime that I've ever committed. And he took that bitter cup. And he made those, that bitter water sweet so that I could say, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? How could I forget the story of, of, of the children of Israel again wandering in the wilderness? They begin to complain because they're hungry. And they were given manna, but they didn't like the manna anymore. They got grew sick of what God had given. They begin to complain, and God, as a result, sent fiery serpents among them, bit the people. Much of Israel died. What a horrible scene it would have been. And as the people begin to die from the poison of this snake, they went to Moses, and Moses went to God, and as a result, the remedy was this. Make a serpent on a pole, a brass serpent on a pole, put it in the middle of the camp. And whoever goes to the middle of that camp and looks at that snake will live. Kind of a funny thing to do. Kind of a thing if anybody's harboring bitterness in their heart would not want to do. That same snake that killed my mom, that snake that killed my my children, the last thing I want to do is look to a snake, but in humility and in faith, they had to go to the middle of the camp and they had to look at the snake. It's a picture of Jesus. That whosoever will look to Christ will be cleansed far worse than venom, but will be cleansed of their sin. How could I forget Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They would not bow down to the golden image when the music was playing. Therefore, the result of that was to be cast into the uh, fiery furnace. And as they're cast into the fiery furnace, you know, what, you know how it goes. You know the story. Uh, and, he, and he said, uh, and lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. For the form of the fourth is like what? The Son of God. Who was that in the Old Testament? Who was that person that, there wasn't, there wasn't four people that cast in, there was only three. Who was that fourth man in the fire that looked like the Son of God? I think it was the Son of God. And as, as Jesus is opening up the scriptures, he's starting at Moses, he's going to the prophets, he's opening up the scriptures, and he's showing them that he was there, he was, he's always been there. It's always been you. Brother Austin saying, it's always been you. Perhaps you're going through a time right now on this, like I said, this Emmaus Road. You don't see him. Perhaps you're not saved. You can't see him. 
until you come to him in faith. You say, well, if I, if I, if I just get some sort of confirmation. I remember I was talking to a neighbor of mine. He said, if I, um, if I, if I could just see God do something, if I could ask for something and God do it, I'll believe. That's not how it works. You have to put your faith in him, and then the veil gets torn away from your eyes. You see, we're born. We're born with a body, a soul. But the thing that, we're, that, that needs to be born again is the spirit. There, there needs to come a time in your life where you have that second birth. You see my body right here, my, my, the shell of who I am and my personality, my soul, but my spirit is born at odds with God. It's born at en- we're enemies because Adam and Eve took that fruit and death passed upon all men. But until you decide to say, you know what, I'm gonna, Christ is alive. Christ can forgive me. And if you place your faith in Christ, then at that moment, that veil gets torn away. You get unplugged in. You ever try a, a vacuum without it plugged in? You're not going to get very far. Try to serve God without being plugged in. Try and be a Christian without being plugged in. Oh, you need to come to Christ and, and be saved. The fourth man in the fire. Listen, he'll, he'll never leave you. Never going to leave you. He'll leave you in the, he won't leave you in a hard, in a hard spot. He'll, he's always there with you. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went, and he had made as though he would have gone further. You see that there? So they're getting to the destination point. The 12 kilometers is coming to an end. Their village and where they will reside the night. The night is far spent. And Jesus doesn't force himself on anybody. He'll never force himself on you. He'll never barge in your life and in your heart if you don't want him there. He'll just stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, he will come in. But it, the Bible says here that it, he, it seemed almost as he was just continuing on the journey. He wasn't, didn't get an invite yet. But those two that day, they, they decided, to, and this is what the Bible says, But they, in verse 29, but they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is toward even, evening, and the day is far spent. And he went and tarried with them. Would to God, how does revival come? It's when somebody knows Jesus is there, and they don't let him pass by. They didn't want to let that man pass by. And I know they didn't really realize who he was at this time, but they didn't want, they, they heard the scripture and they didn't want to let that man pass by. They didn't want to let Jesus pass by. A good principle in there for you. If you know where God's at, Christ, don't let him pass you by. Hey, if you're not saved this morning, don't let him pass you by. Don't be fooled with fear. They say, abide, abide, stay with us, Jesus. Please, he's constrained, stay with us, Lord, don't leave. How desperate do we need to be close to God to the point where we say, don't leave me, Jesus. They constrained him, abide. And of course, a result of that is he abided. And he went in to tarry with them. As they go into to this village, in verse 30, it says, it came to pass. And as he sat at meat with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and, gave, and, and break, and gave to them. Gave to them. 
is a comfort now. The comfort is going to begin of the disciples. Uh, they begin to eat. And there was a time that Jesus, he made, he made time. He made time for them. You know, Jesus has time for you. Jesus got time for you. God, Jesus got time to invest in you. You say, oh, I'm going to church. Maybe your parents made you come to church. Maybe this is just a duty or, or, or an act. I don't know. Many want to be here. I know that. But you're not wasting time right now. You're investing time. And as a return of that, God, he invests time in you. When, when you. when you open up the word of God, is there a, is, is there a desire? Is there a desire to, to, to open that book, that holy book, the living book, and to read it? He said he went in, came to pass, as they sat at meat with him, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to them. So just picture that. They're sitting at a table. He's breaking that bread and he's giving it to them. And at that very moment, verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Kind of go back to the Last Supper, you know, as he breaks the bread, he gives it to the disciples. It's due in remembrance of me. Perhaps that, that phrase was ringing in their, their mind. This due in remembrance, in remembrance of me. And they knew who he was. Man, that, that journey that they took, I'm sure they probably thought, man, I would have asked Jesus so much more. I would have just spent a little more time with him. I would have tried to get a little closer to him on the road to Emmaus if I knew who he was, but they knew who he was afterward, and he vanished out of their sight. But before he ever done that, he comforted his disciples. There was a time of companionship as they sat and they tarried, and they broke bread and they ate together. There was a completed work of Christ. They realized who he was. And that's a completed work of Christ in your life. If you have come to the knowledge that Christ is the Messiah, that Christ is the living God, that he is who he said he is, and he's alive and he is living, that is a completed work of Christ in you. They realized who he was. Have you applied the completed work of Christ to your account? And also they rejoiced at his teaching. The Bible says in verse 32, and they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us? Well, he talked with us by the way, and well, he opened to us the scripture. When is the last time that your heart burned for God to set a fire? When is the last time when you opened up this, this book, God's word, and you read the, the inspired uh, infallible words on this on the pages thereof, and your heart burned within you. Oh, the God, the Spirit of God, oh, just surrounded you and ministered to you and helped you and strengthened you. We need to desire that, desiring that. Did not our hearts burn within us? Well, he opened up the scripture while well, he talked with us in the way. So we know that this this was a journey. This was 12-kilometer, roughly 12-kilometer journey. They get to the destination point. The, night, the day was far spent. Evening is approaching. They compel Jesus to come in. They realize who he is, but they didn't stay in the position where they were at. They, 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 didn't, 
They wanted to be back in Jerusalem where that empty tomb was. They wanted to be in the spot where it happened so they could let the rest of them know. That same hour, the Bible says. They rose up, verse 33. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. They weren't, they weren't satisfied to be in Emmaus anymore. They, the same hour, 12 kilometers, a two and a half hour walk, they, they made it in an hour. You think they, they walked to get there in an hour? No, they, they ran. They, were, they, were, they wanted to, to do this right away. They didn't care about the night. They didn't care, care about the dangers that could befall them in the night. The same hour they came. And they said, guys, it's true. Just a reminder this morning, it's true. He's living. He's not dead. Uh, we're, not, we're not worshiping a God uh, an image, with an image. It doesn't breathe, that doesn't talk, that doesn't see. No, we're, we're serving the living Lord. And they, they said, indeed, he is risen. Just a reminder this morning, do we live like it? Just a reminder, the God that we serve is alive, and he's on the throne, and he's in control. And so many things that are happening on in this world today, we think, oh, this is man or this is government, or this is that. No, God is on the throne, and he's in control, and he's living, and one day, he's going to come back. The Emmaus Road started off with confusion, with doubt, with uncertainty about who Jesus was. Jesus showed up and caused them to look into the word of God, revealing to them that Jesus is and always was the great I Am. Adrian Rogers quotes this, you might as well told the sun not to shine as to tell these disciples not to witness about the risen Savior. Acts 4, 4 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are, despite who we are. We thank you, God, that, that you're willing to, to make your presence known. I do pray, God, maybe there's some Christians here that are on the road to Emmaus right now. Confusion, whatever it may be, doubt. Lord, we pray that you would clarify with your spirit. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today, this morning, that's not saved. Oh, would they humble themselves and look to you and live? I pray this in Christ's name.